I hope you're having a great Sunday. This is Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Really delighted you've chosen to watch this telecast from our recent worship services. Today you get to hear Elliot Sneed preach. He's a, a pastor in Rochester, New York, who recently planted a new church that we're supporting. Delighted to have him speaking today, and I think he's going to encourage your heart. So uh, give a listen and allow God to speak to you. Good morning, everybody. Man, it is so great to be here, and I want to thank uh, Pastor Steve and the team for having me. Uh, every time I come back here, this feels like a home church experience. I hope you're having a great Sunday. This is Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. Really delighted you've chosen to watch this telecast from our recent worship services. Today, you get to hear Elliot Sneed preach. He's a, a pastor in Rochester, New York, who recently planted a new church that we're supporting delighted to have him speaking today, and I think he's going to encourage your heart. So uh, give a listen and allow God to speak to you. This week, on Monday night, that was my driveway. This is March now, and this isn't normal. This is like the fifth. Now, we've had a great winter in Rochester, and there's not been any snow hardly at all. And then in March, now just wait with me, because that's not snow time. We're winding down, right? This is winding up, the fifth largest snow Ever in March, 25 inches of snow fell over two days. So this was at night, and then this was the next day. Here's the next picture. That's my driveway. And see that part that's like depressed where it's all gone? That was me and my kids. (laughs) Feel my pain. But seriously, uh, i got to tell you, the weather here is fantastic, and I love it. Um, I'm so glad to be here with you, and I want to thank you just right off the bat on behalf of my family for your support, for your prayer, for your love. Um, here's a picture of Heather Ruth and I. Uh, just to, uh, there we are in a diner in Rochester. Uh, we love you guys, and we, we're so thankful for your support. Uh, and uh, our, our lives have changed quite a bit because uh, we have two older children. We have a 14-year-old girl, Abigail, and then we have a 12-year-old son, Micah, but, but it's been a while, and now we have a new baby named Reagan Elizabeth. There she is right there. Yeah, yeah, isn't that awesome? She's, uh, she's four weeks old plus today, and uh, we are not sleeping a lot. Here's the, the, my kids with them as well. They're holding her, their little uh, do- uh, their, uh, sister. But i got to tell you, um, as we talk about the World Mission Offering, and I know that, that I'm not going to mention it just for a moment, but... Um, as you give, you support our family, but it goes beyond resources. It goes beyond the money. The money supports us. It helps us tremendously. And every time you give to the World Mission Offering, it goes to support missionaries, as Jamie said, all over the world and all throughout this country. But on a personal note, your support is deeply encouraging for Heather and I. In fact, I want to personally thank you for sending cards and gifts and encouraging notes because there are days that we really struggle to keep pressing forward and it encourages us to know that there are men and women and families that are lifting us up and praying for us. In fact, I remember one day around Christmas, now some of you, the Sunday school classes get together and they send cards. I got so many cards from Rock Hill like, like seriously, my mailbox, it was like one bill, and then there were like 15 cards from Rock Hill. And, and that's pretty good, right? I and mean, that's pretty awesome. And I said, who is sending all these cards? And my 14-year-old daughter goes, Dad, it's the church that supports us. It's Rock Hill. And I'm like, there are so many of them. And she goes, duh, Dad, they love us. 
Now, now, now for a 14-year-old, that's a good sign. When your 14-year-old, I don't think she's ever been here, knows of your love and your care for our family. In fact, the day that our daughter was born, we received the baby shower gift that you guys prepared for us. We didn't know that that was going to be the day, but we were opening the box and going, oh, wow, that's so awesome. Oh, wow, that's so awesome. And then Heather goes, oh, wow, I'm going to have the baby. And we... And so later in the day, we opened the gift, and then Reagan was born that night at 10 o'clock. So I just want to say thank you so much uh, today. Uh, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're going to spend some time today uh, looking in verses 9 through 12, uh, because I love the video we just watched where it says, Together for His kingdom. Together for His kingdom, that we are kingdom people Because we are followers of Christ. If you have trusted Jesus to be the leader and the director and the forgiver of your life, and he saved you by his grace, then you are a follower of Christ. And so when we talk about the kingdom, we talk about us being kingdom people. Because we are for his kingdom. We reflect the glory of his kingdom here on earth. Because we've been transformed. I I love what Jesus says It's the verse that keeps going back. And this is not the first Peter verse, but it's the verse that kind of centers me when I'm off track. I I love this verse. Maybe you've heard it before and you love it too. I love it when he says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Isn't it true that we get distracted in life? Isn't it true that we kind of get folded into the daily grind of things. We get distracted. We get moving in a direction. And pretty soon sometimes, and this has happened to me more than once, my life doesn't exactly reflect the values necessarily of the kingdom. My actions, my prayer life so much doesn't reflect the kingdom. And I'm reminded, as Jesus says, to seek first the kingdom. And the problem is that sometimes this little drift in our lives, are you with me? It could be a little subtle, It it kind of creeps in on you because you've got work and you've got different things. And that's why we need to go back to the Scripture. That's why we need the work of the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and remind us about what it looks like to be kingdom people for His kingdom, together for His kingdom. Look at this passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2 because 1 Peter chapter 2 gives us a glimpse Verses 9 through 12 gives us a glimpse of the kind of encouragement, the kind of reminder, the kind of passion, the kind of focus we should have for being kingdom people. Let's read this together. Just look at this. Follow along with me. Verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. 
Now what's interesting about this passage is that Peter's writing to some believers. It says in the very beginning of 1 Peter that he's writing to some believers, right, that are, that are, that are kind of suffering and struggling. They're in some far out places as Christians. And they're dealing with cultures and people around them that aren't believers. And so they're struggling in their faith. And so Peter very slowly begins to encourage them to remember who they are in the Lord. And so I think from this, we can derive from this passage of Scripture three kind of principles. And you might just kind of get these in your head and in your heart today as I encourage you to just kind of think how God would reshape your understanding of being a kingdom person. And how it might reflect in this church and in your lives and your workplace and in every place that you're living. Three principles for being kingdom-minded people. And so here's the first one. And you can write this down if you have notes or whatever. Is to remember your kingdom identity and purpose every day. Peter says you are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. You know, it's easy to get discouraged. Peter reminds these believers that sometimes where they're at in the community they're at, they're going to face opposition. They're going to have difficulty. They're going to have some challenges. But he reminds them that they're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation, a special possession. Now, Peter's not using these words by accident. He's going back and using some Old Testament terms to remind these believers of how significant they are being part of the kingdom, how their salvation has transformed them. When he tells them that they are a royal priesthood, he's reminding them of the significance of having a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did on the cross. When he says that they're a holy nation, right, he's saying it doesn't matter where you were born, it doesn't matter what country you come from because we all have a new birth in Jesus, amen? And that unites us together. When he says we're a special possession. When you read this passage of scripture. And then he gets. And all of this leads us to declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness. And into this marvelous life. Can anyone see. That Peter is just reminding them. Know who you are in Christ. Know your purpose. I know for me. My identity in Christ. And my purpose in him. It sometimes gets lost in all the stuff that I'm doing. I don't know about you, but I try to get going on stuff. I try to get things done. How many of you, raise your hand if you try to get things done. Come on now. Try to get some stuff done. Sometimes you feel that angst. I got to get this stuff done. I got to get going on this stuff. But all of that does lead us to sometimes get distracted. We get focused on all these small things that do matter sometimes. They do. But sometimes it drowns out and and kind of creates a blur with whose you are and who you are. You see, when we're focused in on our kingdom identity, that informs everything about us. And in my own life, sometimes I just have to drive around my community because I find, even in Rochester, knowing that I'm planting this church and seeing men and women become disciples of Jesus, I can get detached from the reality of whose I am. And so I begin to just drive places and do the regular things of life, and I'm just so distracted by those things that I don't see anything else. 
I don't see people anymore that are hurting. I don't see confused people. I don't see skeptics with anger. I don't pray for them. I, I get short-tempered sometimes. I get annoyed at people. How many of you get annoyed sometimes? You're just like annoyed. Yeah, just do something different. And so all those things. So why is Peter sending this message to this church, these believers? He's sending it to them because he knows that the very Word of God and the very Holy Spirit that would take these words and ignite them in your heart would remind you, you're saved by by God's wonderful grace. You were brought from darkness to light. And so live as kingdom people with His purpose and for His glory. But the second principle he gives out of this verse, here's the second one. He says you can't be together for His kingdom when you lose track of your kingdom identity and purpose. But you must also, because of how He's worked in our life, you must also demonstrate, this is the second principle, the mercy and the compassion that you yourself have experienced in Christ. He says in verse uh, number, uh, number 9, he says, verse 10, he says, Once you were not a people, but you now are the people of God. Isn't that awesome? Can, can you remember when you were not part of the kingdom of God? When you were not a follower of Christ? And now that you are and remembering that difference. Well, these people had just become followers of Christ. They were new believers. And so he was encouraging them. Once you were not a people, but you now are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that interesting that he encourages us in that way? Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we have been shown tremendous mercy. Tremendous grace. I mean, we've been encouraged to know that God loves us and died for us on the cross and calls us to His purpose. And those are all things, right? Those are all things that should encourage us. So when I think back in my own life, and maybe you do too, and on my pretty tough days where I go, man, I didn't really see God's grace very well today, and I didn't really live it out very well today, I'm reminded that He died for me on the cross and loves me the same. Amen? And the truth of it is that Peter is just reminding them, because you've been shown mercy, the natural reaction from receiving God's mercy is to show mercy and compassion yourselves. Here's what's interesting. This is what I've learned. Maybe you can relate to this. I know that in my own life, in my own life, that if my relationship with God is growing spiritually like this, like vertically, if I'm, if I'm seeing growth in my life, and I see, you know, God working, and I'm in the Word of God, and I'm growing in Him, and I'm connected to the life of a church, and I'm serving and using my gifts, and God's doing all those things in me, then guess what? The horizontal part of me, the eyes and the heart that sees people, it also expands like this. Because as I'm growing in Christ, guess what? The compassion and mercy for other people that are going through struggle and difficulty, guess what? It begins to grow as well. Because I'm reminded constantly of how God has shown me mercy. But i got to tell you, this act of seeing compassion in our lives, it's not natural to us all the time. Sometimes it's a struggle because we do have all these different things going on. And so that's why it's so important to grow in the understanding of what it means to be kingdom people, to grow in our relationship with the king, to grow spiritually in a relationship with Christ, because our hearts then respond with compassion and mercy as we worship him. 
There are two things that we do in Rochester at Discovery Church. We try very hard. Now, now, now here's what happens now. It, it, when it's snowing, guess what? Nobody goes outside. I mean, we have to go travel and we have to go work. But nobody is walking around. No one is. Like if you go knock on someone's door, <laughs> this is what's going to happen. Someone's going to open their door a little bit and they're going to go, why are you here in the winter? Right? Is that what you would do? You'd be like, please come back in the spring. <laughs> That's a good word. <laughs> it's cold, man. And so, and so people tend to bundle down. And so in the winter, sometimes it's really hard for us to kind of reach out because people are kind of closed up a bit. And so we take every opportunity when it's warmer to try to, to reach out to people. And there's a couple of things that we do. Mainly we will have some kind of events sometimes where we invite the community so that we can get talking with people. Now, now we should every day in our lives be talking to people and living out this gospel and this grace with every person around us at our workplace, in our neighborhood, all of those places. But a couple of times we try some different things. And one of the times that I was talking with a guy who was an elderly man who needed help in his yard. And we had taken a team over there to help him. And I started talking to him in his yard while we were sweating profusely, right, doing yard work. And this guy tells me, he goes, uh, I'm so glad you've been here. Thank you so much for coming. And then I say to him, what is your spiritual background? <laughs> like, what's your story? And he looks at me with sort of a sad face and he says, I've been something a lot of different times. I've been everything. And he's like, I've been this, I've been this. He starts listing them off. And I could see on his face that it pained him that he was seeking the truth and trying to figure this out. Are you with me? Everybody with me? And you could see he was really torn. And in that moment, I began to talk to him about Christ. And to remind him about the goodness of Jesus and the grace of God. But my heartbeat felt compassion for the fact that he was deeply searching for truth. And you know what? When God is growing in you, you feel that same sorrow, that same desire for mercy and compassion for people that are desperately seeking to know who Jesus is. Those people who have the hardest questions, those people who are skeptical of the faith, those people that you think, well, they'll never become followers of Christ. I've got to tell you that God works in miraculous ways to bring them into the kingdom in powerful ways. And I'm sure you have story after story of people who've come to faith in Christ. Because people are searching for the truth. They're searching to know who God is. So Peter says, remember to these people, he says, remember who you are, who you once were and who you are now, and remember that you didn't receive mercy, but you now are people who have received mercy. And then he says this last thing. This is the third principle. He says, in everything you do, in everything you do, live your life as a godly example. Peter says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. You see, he's presenting, Peter, a contrast to what it means to be citizens of heaven 
or citizens who favor the world. He's saying because we're followers of Christ, we have a new citizenship that reflects a new kingdom, which is Jesus is king and not of the world. But of course we struggle with that. So Peter is saying just remember your heart is changed and your behavior and your actions, they flow from a transformed heart. So how you respond and how you reflect God in your life really matters because you surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to guide your life. I love what Paul says. You, you may like this. this. I'm sure this is a favorite verse for somebody here in Galatians 5, 22. When, when God talks about, when, through Paul, the fruit of the Spirit, he says the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, this growth, is, is love, it's joy, it's peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, Peter wants them to know that in the most difficult situations, whether they're around people who know Jesus or not, the way they respond, the way they live is a testimony of the very life that God is transforming in front of them. It's the very thing that tells the story of God. Guess what? People watch your life. You know it's true. People around you, they watch your life. They watch what you do. They watch how you respond. And they want to know, does your life reflect the kingdom? Does it reflect the value and the understanding that you're saved by Jesus? Now, now recently, I was challenged in this at Discovery Church. You know, we, 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 we don't have a building like this. We rent and lease space. And so for a number of years, we've leased a space, and we finally, after much prayer, and we've asked you guys to pray as well, you know, pray for us as well, we finally got into a new space. Isn't that awesome? I mean, praise God for that. After, I mean, I, I think it was like two years, maybe, of praying and searching and talking to people. And we'd go forward to somebody, and they would say, no, thank you. We'd go forward to another, and they'd say, no, thank you. And, you know, pretty soon... You've probably been looking for a job or looking for a house. You maybe experienced this. You go, we're never going to find. <laughs> Have you ever said that? We're never going to find something. And finally, this situation came through my chaplain work. I'm a chaplain, a volunteer chaplain with the police department in our town. And the chief of police, who is a believer, comes to me one day and goes, I got this space for you. I'm like, Okay. But I was so thinking that it wasn't going to work already. Right? Have you ever been there? That you were like, this is not going to work. So actually, when he came and told me, we have this space for you, I'm sure my face was like, okay. Yeah, have you ever done that? Sure. I'll put it down in my phone. Well, sure enough, it is a space for us. God opens the door, and over the last year, we've been walking down this road with these people, and it's a school that's not being used anymore, and they've given us quite a bit of space in there to use, and they're going to let us put signs up on the building and all kinds of things, and we're not going to use the whole school, but it's a significant step forward. And I went, wow, God is God's really doing something. And then as I was on the way to sign the lease, I mean, and this is, let me just show you the space. Here's the space as we were working on it. It's a long space, two big rooms. And then here it is now as we've finished. 
This is the new space. Yes, looks good, huh? A lot of hard work. Now listen now. I was feeling the same way you just were, clapping. I'm like, yes. I'm on the way. Now we have this great relationship with these people and everything they've been saying, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine, this is fine. We went, we met, met with the town, right? We had to go before the town. I don't know if you have to do this, but we had to go before the town to get a permit just to use the space. Now that's unusual, right? I mean, it wasn't like to move into the building. It was just to use the space as a church. It was a use permit. Had to go and present an argument for that. Had to go to these people. Had to go to this people. And, and, and we're working and we're working along. And all of a sudden, I'm going to sign the lease. We did it backwards. I mean, we, we did some things backwards. Because everyone's assuring us, everything's fine, everything's fine. They, they even paid for part of the renovation. They paid for some things there. So wouldn't you think everything is fine? God's opening this door. And one hour before I go sign the lease, they pull the lease off the table. And I've got to tell you something. Now look at me. Look, look just for a second. And, and we can giggle together. This personally tested me. Peter says that we're kingdom people. I thought the worst privately. I prayed and I continued to interact with everyone. But let me tell you, when they pulled it off, the first thing in my mind and the first thing in my heart, now listen to me, was I wanted to say things. Yes? Anybody? Come on now. Show me some love, some Rock Hill love. Who wants to say some things? I mean, I wanted to say some things in a Baptist pastor way. I was angry. I wanted to start giving people a piece of my mind. That part of the mind you don't want other people to see. The Holy Spirit kept saying to me, Your actions, Elliot, your actions, Elliot, they are part, listen to me, of the story of the king and his kingdom. Will you show people the king? Will you show them the promise? Will you show them the hope, the love, the forgiveness, the mercy of the kingdom? Or will you respond the way they all expect you to respond when something goes bad in anger with words that are inappropriate in a way that satisfies your own sinful desires? That's why Peter writes to these people and says, your good works and your response of the transformed heart even when being mistreated, when you're being mistreated, tells the kingdom story of Jesus and his transforming power at work in you. They will see God from your response. They will see God in how you interact. They will see God in the words you use. They will see God with the very story that your life tells. And yes, we're called to give verbal witness, but let me tell you something. The manner and the way which we live is telling the story of the kingdom. So here's the question for you. What story are you telling with your life? Is it one for the king and the kingdom to come and the kingdom that is here? 
if we want to be together for his kingdom and see new disciples and new communities that, that bring glory to God's name, we have to be remember, we have to know that remember your kingdom identity. You've got to reattach with it. You have to refocus on the fact that you're, you're bought with a price, that you're redeemed. And that means something for your everyday life and your purpose. That you demonstrate that mercy and that compassion that God has shown you because of God working in you. And then in everything you do, you live your life as a godly example. Your life is telling a story. What story is it telling? Would you bow your heads with me? Just bow your heads with me. Father, I praise you for this day. And thank you so much that you're at work in Rochester. I thank you for all of the ways you're at work here in this church. The lives that have been changed. The story of salvations that exist in this room. Of men and women and families who committed their life to you and are walking forward in faith. Connected to this church. Loving this community. I lift First Baptist Church of Rock Hill up. But more importantly, I want people here to think. For all of us to reconsider. What's the story our lives are telling? Does it reflect you and your kingdom? God, I would pray today that those here who don't know you, who need to receive the forgiveness of their sins and and come into a place of knowing you as the king of their lives, surrender lives, God, I pray today they would open their hearts and know that you're one step away from coming into their lives and forgiving them of their sin and that we too can trust you in these things. We love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.